Again, so three sounds. So if you think of the word flower and you break it down, there's flower. 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 There's three sounds uh, w- there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the, the ow. What we do here is go back, 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 back. And we're back. And we are back with a, another episode of the Bros and Brews podcast. Uh, episode episode 16. Can you can you believe we've this is episode 16, James? We've been going for this long now. It must mean this is four months if my rough maths and understanding of our lunar calendar is <laughs> right. Four months. <laughs> yeah. Damn, that's crazy, bro. 16. I know. I know. I, to, to think that this was, you know, in our, in our first lockdown here. Uh, at the bottom of the world, uh, we we decided that yeah, this is something that we wanted to do, and we've continued doing it. People are still tuning in every week and and following the social medias. If you aren't now, I'm just going to say this: if you aren't following our social medias, uh, go check us out on Instagram. Go check us out on Facebook. It'll give you the updates of uh, when the episodes are coming out every week. A little little rundown, a little preview, sneak peek of what it's all about, and hopefully it'll it'll get you get you listening in. But uh, for all of you that are listening in every week, we we continue to say uh, thank you, thank you very much. Um, yeah, but thank you so much, everyone. I mean, like we say, we try to keep things fresh and interesting, and um, yeah, we're just stoked that people. People are still here along the ride four months four months later. And if you're new, God, by all means, welcome. You are very welcome. Step on in. We have a table for you right here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we are, we are recording here on a Monday, day day after Father's Day. How 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 was how was Father's Day for you yesterday? Father's Day, it was it was good. Um, as as you well know, Dad's birthday was relatively recently because mm-hmm. we recorded on his birthday. Yes. So it's always been a bit bit funny to be honest. Like it's such a small short period between Dad's birthday and Father's Day. Yeah. So it always kind of I feel like Father's Day always creeps up on me. Not mm. that I go like, oh, Dad's birthday's oh. done. Like see you in twelve months. Another but there is one. you know there is a there is something there. As I imagine people whose mother's birthdays are near Mother's Day, there's a little bit of. No crossover there. Yeah. But yeah. I um I was pleased with my prep for Father's Day this year in that I mean I wouldn't normally buy dad a present for Father's Day, sometimes a card, sometimes like go out for coffee or something, but this year I I figured out a Father's Day appropriate level present. Um dad really, 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 really likes uh Carbonara. Oh classic. Mm-hmm. pasta dish made with mm-hmm. not much other than you know what i realized a few years ago i was like oh this is just bacon and eggs <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it well, is yeah. bacon and eggs yeah. just via pasta true which is probably why so many people love it but it's been like years of ongoing dialogue between dad myself and i guess the internet about like what traditional carbonara yeah. is what isn't yeah. traditional he used to make it with cream i finally got him off that Italians screaming no. into their pillows everywhere. None of that. But he still he still uses garlic and carbonara, which is not traditional. Um, do you know Babish, the YouTube channel? I, I do know Babish. Cooking with Babish. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So he did a carbonara video recently where his initial video had been critiqued by like these three Italian chefs that oh, had gone no. on YouTube and watched like his and Gordon <laughs> Ramsay's and 
And of course, three Italian chefs were like, why are they doing this? Why are they, like, why are they adding that? I mean, some crimes with carbonara are worse than others. Like if you're adding onions, what are you doing? Yep. Garlic, I can kind of understand. But mm-hmm. I think traditional carbonara is made just with eggs, uh, Parmesan cheese, uh, <laughs> black pepper, the pasta itself. And traditionally is made with guanciale, which is very similar to bacon it's a cured pork product but it's a specific cut that's made like from the jowl like the neck and obviously pretty much everyone uses bacon and probably including restaurants and let's be honest like that's pretty pretty acceptable versus like adding onion in but i i thought ahead and i thought you know what i'm gonna try and source some guanciale for dad so he can make traditional carbonara and yeah got it from the mediterranean food warehouse and had um father's day Yesterday we we went out for lunch and I slapped this bit of pork on on the table and said, "Here you are, no excuses." So, Yo. all in all, I thought that was pretty good. Now I'm excited cool. to see. I'm excited to to see if if it makes a difference. I don't know, but yeah, it was a a cana, cana, carbonara heavy themed Father's Day. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, what about you? I guess it's is it just like a non? Uh, do you treat Mother's Day, Father's Day as a Mother's Day? Yeah, or? yeah, no, yeah, that's exactly it. Every every Father's Day every year, I will wish Mum Mum a Happy Father's Day. I nice. won't say Happy Mother's Day. I will, I will wish her a Happy Father's Day because yeah, that's just that Mum Mum was Mum and Dad uh, growing up. Yeah, and obviously my um, grandfather passed away many many years ago, so we don't have that Father's Day to celebrate either. So it comes down to a lot of my uncles and things. You know, wish we wish them Father's Day, but yeah, Mum Mum came around yesterday and we um we watched watched a movie and we had dinner and ended up just mindlessly watching youtube we mum doesn't really like doing a lot of gifts and things like that i mean her Mm -hmm. birthday much like much like your dad's was literally only a few weeks ago um and we did we couldn't do much for that either because we were in in our second lockdown yeah. Uh, so we went out for lunch uh, earl- earlier in the week, and, and I, I paid for that, which is a nice thing to be able to do because it's not something I yeah. do when we go out much. Um, and then, yeah, and then last night we got some Uber Eats in, and, and we halved that, so that was really nice. Me, me and mum really like keeping it simple, honestly. Like, the, the biggest biggest present that we can get each other is just being in each other's presence Mm. (laughs) which is which is really lovely i think being up up here in auckland is has been one of the 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 nicest things and 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 the years that you know have led up to to 2020 is just being up being able to be here with family so and and i and i I value that a lot um so yeah yeah that sounds really really nice yeah again like just spending time with with the right person all the right people was there's what more of a gift could you want exactly exactly um and i mean hey speaking speaking of the 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 values of um you know family and stuff like that oh actually no before i lead on to that oh i thought that was gonna be the scene yeah, the most you know i was i was like it, here it, we are this is smooth <laughs> this is some smooth peanut butter no it was it was but i mean i think no i think you you were gonna start us off this week weren't you i was i i mean I was quite happy to not, but now now we will. You know, I've back, um, I've backtracked it now. Just go with it, bro. You've absolutely <laughs> chucked the car into reverse. Proverbial car, of course. Matt doesn't drive. Okay, um, okay. I only I only mentioned that because I thought about asking you the question this week, just being like, Matt, 
Why didn't you drive? And then it's like, you know what? Who cares? You don't have to drive. Get public transport or walk. That's yeah, brilliant. That's, Cars, that's emissions. Yeah, yeah. No one needs to be a driver. Anyway, my question for you this week yes. is a bit slightly different form. And it's a would you rather question. Ooh. And my would you rather question for you this week is in the scenario where all of a sudden a 25th hour gets introduced to your day. So you get this 25th hour every day. It's mandatory. Then there's only two ways that you can use that 25th hour. Would you rather use that 25th hour for an extra hour of sleep every night? Or would you rather use that extra hour for the purpose of reading? So sleep, add it on to whatever amount of sleep you're getting at the moment. But you have to use it for sleep every night. Mm-hmm. Or would you rather use that hour to spend an hour every day reading, whether it be novels or scripts or... That, Which is yours? No, this is, this is good. So, because... Mm, uh, I'm I'm very much a night owl. Uh, mm-hmm. I find it really hard to switch off at night. Uh, you know, whether it's been a even a, even if I've had a really you know tiring day, when it gets to night time, I, I I can't really switch off until my body is like, yep, now you're tired. We will go to sleep, and that can be anywhere from twelve o'clock to like three a.m. So yep. I mean, that's my that's my bedtime. And now that I'm you know, waking up earlier in the morning to be able to get to work, I would probably very much value having that extra hour of sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really calls out to me. But the the mandatory, what you were saying, the mandatory hour of reading, I don't read. Okay, <laughs> so I'll rephrase that. I can read. Uh, I don't. I, I I don't like to read. I, you know, if I'm doing a show or something or a script. And, or you know, ready, ready, rah. I, I, I will, I will read it and probably you know enjoy it. But I, I don't have this urge to go and pick up a book and and read it. I mean, I remember I was I was lying on bed the other week and I picked up a book and I literally I flicked the first page and I think I read about three sentences and I was like, yep, no, nah, I'm done. Like I, <laughs> the urge to continue reading just wasn't there. But your question with the mandatory like if you had an hour this is what you would be doing i think i would actually really value that as well i would commit this hour every day to be able to just sit down and read because i mean one thing my grammar and spelling is atrocious you know and i know that a lot of people um i mean you know rachel's um for instance, she's great at spelling, you know, good grammar. But because she reads so much, you know, you see the, the words and how sentences are structured on the page. But for me, I find that really hard. And I know that is because I, I don't look at it very often. I don't look at other people's words and things like that. Um, so I think, oh, it's, oh, I could really, oh, I could really go either way. I think with where I am in my life and wanting to develop more in the sense of my acting and all of that kind of stuff, um, obviously getting overseas, I've had this really big turn of wanting to kind of learn a little bit more. So I think I think I would. I think if we had an extra hour of the day, I think I would I would try and commit that to reading a little bit more. Look, you've basically answered the question how I wanted you to. <laughs> <laughs> I think this came this question came to me from I think I have an understanding that you're not much of a reader. Yeah. Whether we've talked about it or if I've just figured that out. or No, I've definitely mentioned it before. It. <laughs> and I think I have found, you know, in the last six months, five years, whatever, I don't read as much 
as I used to and as much as I feel I should. Mm. I really do enjoy reading. Like if I sit down with a book and it's a good book that I'm enjoying, I will get such a different hobby-based feeling of like, yeah, I'm really, really enjoying this. Mm. But it's the constant that I think lots of people are going through now, particularly our generation of like, oh, I don't read as much as I should. Oh, I wish I read more. And some people are really, really stringent about it and very, very good with making themselves read. And I think like our parents' generation, just using my mum as an example, and dad actually, they're both constantly reading. Yeah. And I really struggle to, I can recognize that I want to read more, but can't make myself do yeah. it. Not because yeah. I don't want to, because I struggle to find the time, like, I'm sure someone could say to me like, well, wake up half an hour earlier, go to bed half an hour later, and there's your hour of reading every day. But I don't think life works like that, yeah. at least for me, because my bedtime can change when I wake up can change. I'm not in such a routine that I can, you know, I know that you, you're really not meant to look at a screen half an hour before you go to bed. And I, I have, you know, over lockdown, I did lots of reading before bed and really experienced the benefits of that. But I couldn't figure out how to ask that question to mm. how you felt about reading. And I thought actually a good way to access this is a lot of the time, you know, it gets to the end of the day and you could, you, I, anyone could go, well, maybe I'll read for half an hour. But most of the time you either go to sleep or you keep doing what you're doing for yeah. 30 minutes. Yeah. And I think for me, I was like, well, you know what? I feel like I get enough sleep, sleep most nights, some nights less than others, some nights more than others, as you said, like if you're up at three you're up at three if you're mm. having a terrible night's sleep you're having a terrible night's sleep yeah but if someone came up to me and said look from tomorrow you have to read 30 minutes every day or something's terrible is going to happen to you or they said you've got to read an hour you've got an extra hour every day magically i'm a genie i've granted you this and you have to read <laughs> i would see that's such a benefit yeah yeah and it's just the that being made to do it, the mandatoriness of it actually gets me really excited to go like, <laughs> yes, I can't do anything else, which speaks to like, I don't know, the lack of resolve or my inability to make myself do some things. But mm. yeah, I think, and you know, at this age we really, really value sleep, but I think there's ways to get better quality sleep or go to sleep for longer. But the inability for us to just say, you know what, let's read, let's consume some information. Mm. I feel very similarly to you. Yeah. If I had that choice, I would definitely take the hour of reading. And I think probably maybe there would be some add on benefits of, if, you know, cheat the, cheat the exam. You do the reading means you get better sleep quality. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. But you basically answered the question how I, I had thought you would. And I think makes me recognize that we're on a similar page of like, there's that desire to to get more knowledge and there's something about reading not just the genre or fiction non-fiction mm, mm. the grammar that's really interesting to hear you say that you feel you have some more to learn by reading other people's words i think yeah. it's definitely definitely the case like you read stuff gets into your subconscious and then you are able to regurgitate it later on but yeah yeah exactly well, i'll let you know if i can if i can arrange the the hour for you at any point i don't know the moon yeah, might perfect. shift at some point and the tides change and all of a sudden we've got an extra hour but yeah nice oh yeah. i mean unless you find that magical lamp as well as you were saying with that genie that'd be 
That'd be nice. Look, the hour, the hour for reading is maybe maybe not what you'd wish for, but yeah. <laughs> but I digress. Um, you said that you watched you watched a movie recently that you wanted to chat about. What? Yes, what yes, was it? I did, and that that was that was the smooth segue that I was getting into about uh, about family and 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 things like that. But um, yeah, as as people may or may not know, um, the next big. Disney installment um, that was that was coming out this year and that has just been released uh, was the live action uh, Mulan, uh, and it just got released onto Disney Plus on Saturday night, and it is a premier access, so you've actually got to pay to be able to watch it on Disney Plus. Um, and, oh, really? I mean, so even if you pay for Disney Plus? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is um, which is something that I'll, I'll talk back about after um, what I feel about the movie. But um, you know, for, for for Disney fans and things like that, Mulan was obviously a, an animated um, movie back in nineteen ninety eight, and it was great. You know, it was it was an absolutely great movie. I haven't watched it, the the original in quite a long time. So I remember sitting here with Mum on the couch, and we started watching the movie, and we were like oh what okay yep starting to like slowly remember the storyline and 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 all of that but i mean you know basic storyline is that you have um this you know young young woman mulan who all of a sudden the um the the dynasty is in danger and she pretends to be a man to order um in order to go and fight in the war in her father's place um so yeah you know so she can protect him but also so she can you know be herself and, 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 and find her true self in the sense of being a warrior because uh, within this, you know, Chinese time period piece, uh, women are, are not warriors. They're not allowed to be warriors. They're, they are meant to marry and bring honor to the family by being able to just, just have a family. And then the, yeah, and then the men were the ones to go and, and fight um, for for the protection of everyone really um so yeah just trying to remember back you know the themes of the original and things like that and watching this one uh it was directed by nikki caro uh and uh, an all all um all asian cast which was actually really refreshing to see on screen you know uh it's a it's an asian story and to see a full asian cast was just just great I think you know the one thing that was obviously not not jarring, but the thing is, is that they're they're all speaking in English. You know, some of them have like slight slight accents, but you know they're not they're not too heavy. Um, but it was just yeah, it was really nice to see that. But you know, once you kind of go into the into the English nature of it all, I mean, much like the the animated was, you know, that was all in all in pretty much Western English. Um, so, but it was really cool. To, to, to just see that on screen and that represented but also the fact of just this you know another strong wahine on screen just kicking ass you know um i mean the 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 themes of the movie in itself is you know honor and family and truth as well you know a big thing for mulan is all about her being true to herself and how she you know she gets into pretending to be a pretending to be a man in an army and it, you know she realizes that that's not very truthful to herself um so she you know slowly starts to uncover that and present herself forward as like yes here i am i am a woman and and how she then deals with that for the rest of the movie but it, it was really amazing it's it's had some bad reception and things like that because a it's not a musical the original was a musical 
uh, and it had some great musical numbers. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, I'll what was I'll make a man out of you. I'll make a man out of you. Like yeah. I've got to say, is top three yep. Disney song, maybe Definitely. number one. Like that is iconic. So that not being in the movie, I mean, obviously is going to mean a lot for for lots of people who who associate Mulan with that song and some of the other great songs mm. that mm. Are, that are in, in the original. Yeah, exactly. Um, and also the other big one as well is that um, some of the characters that we love um, are, are not in it, uh, much like Mushu, who was played by Eddie Murphy, a uh, small little dragon. Uh, he, he, he is not in the movie. Um, and then also, you know, love seeing the lovely small little animated, uh, is it Crick-tea? Cricket? Crickety? Um, is also not there. I mean, you might have to watch the movie to see how they kind of adapted that character into this one. Um, but yeah, kind of just missing out on that animation of these yeah, small, lovable characters um, was was a bit weird, if you know the Mulan story. Um, and I know a lot of people have had, you know, really just don't like it much. You know, we, we talked earlier on an earlier podcast about adaptations and, and some yeah. of these Disney adaptations and, you know, how... But I mean, the thing is, animation—you can do so much. You know, it's—it's you—you. There really are no limits to it. But then all of a sudden, you bring it into a live-action kind of sense, and you—you just can't really do the same things unless you're using a lot of CGI and and stuff like that, other film techniques. Um, It's just not going to be the same movie. And I always feel the same about adaptations with books. You know, whether it's a book into TV, a book into into film, it's not going to be the same because you can't put. Uh, however long book into the space of like two hours things are going to be cut things are going to be changed to make it better for film and things like that so I think I, I always get discouraged at people that rip it to shreds because of the original and I, I mean I completely understand it there's purists you know they, they uh, some things just shouldn't be touched but I think if you get yourself out of that mind frame and you look at Mulan and what it's trying to represent on the small screen I say small screen because it obviously isn't in the movies on the small screen it is what it's doing right now it's really moving and it's it's really spectacular um i mean the film was shot in new zealand some of the films are shot here in new zealand yeah a lot of work of it was done in new zealand which i didn't know until like i came back in april may and just because people were like oh well thankfully mulan's basically wrapped and i was like wait what yeah <laughs> yeah I, I had no idea but yeah a lot of it was done here yeah we had a workshop uh did a lot of the armor and the swords and costumes and things like that as we a workshop are very well known for um and then we digital as well um also helped on on some of the things um and then the other locations were obviously shot back in china as well um but you know if you look at it for the kind of you know stunning stunning scenery and things like that it's 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 visually very appealing um the acting is great um the 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 woman that they have um i i don't want to try and say her name because i don't want to fluff it um but the the main actress who does play mulan is 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 absolutely moving i mean i was watching the movie um here with mum and we were not like bawling our eyes out but we were definitely like taken back at the amount of emotion that she puts into this character without falling into the stereotypical like sad woman or vulnerable woman uh you know damsel in distress kind of thing like she is just a kick-ass warrior and is just just really strong so how she presents herself and presents the character mulan tick absolutely absolutely amazing 
Um, the backup characters and things like that, I mean, they're there, but it really is about Mulan, but I think it all kind of connects really well in how Mulan relates with the other characters on screen, especially her father as well. I think it's just has got some really lovely touching moments. Um, and uh, also... Jet, Jet Li is in it as well. Jet Li plays the plays the emperor, and seeing him on screen uh, as as a character like that was <laughs> it took me or me and mum a while to actually realise that that was Jet Li, um, but that was cool as well. But I mean, really, as I always say with adaptations and things like that, I think it, it is forty bucks. That's another thing I'm going to come back. It, it is it is forty dollars. To, really? I, yeah, I knew you were going to react like that. So you obviously you pay for Disney Plus just as a subscription to be able to just get all of its content. But in order to watch Mulan on Disney Plus, it is forty dollars. It is thirty nine ninety nine. So is that? And then can you watch it as many times as you want? Yep, it's yours. All right. So what you need to do is you need to sell the viewing rights. Like I'll pay five bucks to log in and watch it. Oh, but, I okay, mean that's okay. that's quite a lot. I mean if you think yeah. of boxing, I guess boxing pay per views and that sort of stuff often is nineteen ninety nine yeah. or twenty nine ninety nine. But forty dollars. I mean to be honest, it doesn't surprise me because probably the amount of budget that went into that movie. It's a Disney movie. Two hundred million. Their, they want to make their money back. But man, that is a lot of money. Yeah, it's it's a lot of money. Now here, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and make it seem a little bit more acceptable. So I mean, you can have ten accounts on a Disney Plus membership. You can have you can have ten accounts. Um, so that means all of those people that are linked to this account can watch the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you can watch it as much as you want. And also, how, how much would you spend at the movies? Yeah, I mean exactly. That's what I was gonna say. I think yeah. what. Roxy penthouse places in Wellington tend to be like sixteen dollars, I think, for yeah, adults. So exactly. So I mean, 32. yeah, if you went as a group of like three or four, you know, that's already over forty bucks. Um, you'd also have to pay for drinks and popcorn and all of these like good little sweet stuff, you know. So, but I mean, obviously, going to the movies is a completely different experience to watching it here in the comfort of your own home. I know a a lot of people just love me in particular. I love going to the movies um, and having that cinematic experience. It just kind of just blowing up in front of me in my face. I get popcorn. I get sweet stuff. Like it is, it's an amazing experience, but I think you're dropping way more than $40 at the movies. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, for me, I really have no problem with, you know, having a, a hair on the couch, you know, obviously me and mum still got like Uber Eats and things like that for dinner. But to spend 40 bucks, watch it in the comfort of my home to, you know, obviously, um, you know, watch this kind of content on the screen. And, you know, because I think obviously if it was free, then it was all it's all like. I mean, no, this, you know, it deserves so much more, you know, I think for what Mulan is and what it represents, you know, a, a, a woman running a man's army, you know, a, a woman in a man's world and what that represents, I think it's it's worth it. And I think if you're going to kick up about it and not watch it just for that reason, then you're not supporting the right thing, if you know what I mean. Um, so yeah, especially if you already pay for Disney Plus, which is relatively affordable. Yes, yeah, like- it is as a subscription anyway obviously if you're not in the position to be able to pay for like netflix or amazon prime or disney plus then of course i don't expect we don't expect you to go and spend 40 dollars. but you would spend that money seeing that thing released anyway so if if that's your issue with it then it's yeah uh yes 
probably it, hypocritical for a lot of people. Exactly, exactly. But I mean, just to give, if I was to to give it my own rating, um, I'd give it an eight out of ten. Um, I cool. thought, yeah, I th- I thought it was really good. Like it, it really did touch me uh, and got me at certain points in the movie. S- visually, it was stunning. I thought the acting was really good. There's, a, you know, there's obviously it, it does have its flaws. You know, I think uh, it's obviously been westernized a, a, a just a, a touch a, a little bit more in the sense of its filmmaking and things like that. So, I think some of the big martial arts scenes and things like that aren't as as powerful and dynamic as they could have been. But I think what they tried to do with their film techniques and camera techniques definitely gave it its own element and feel of what it was like for the um, for the original Mulan. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think be the judge of yourself. I mean, if you haven't enjoyed it, let me know, let us know. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it, it's definitely a good watch. But for me, I think it's what what Mulan represents and what the messages and how they've how they've now portrayed that in a, a modern era especially for you know for for young women and young girls looking for their superheroes and their strong you know woman characters um i th- i think they've done a good job for that so um go watch Mulan. yeah i mean i'm serious i'll chuck you five bucks to watch to watch it because i do want to <laughs> i do want to see it i don't know if you remember when we did the adaptation show i said that i hadn't seen like aladdin and i hadn't mm-hmm. seen yeah. quite a few beauty and the beast to me it's because they didn't i didn't feel a great drive to see the like the real life version of it yeah because i know that this version of mulan is so different from the original it it's probably so makes different. me more inclined to watch it yeah whereas like the beauty and the beast is like yes i like emma watson and sure it could, would be interesting to see the design on on the beast but is that really enough for me to watch it mm. probably not mm. whereas I'm probably more interested to see an adaptation where I know that the production and the director has decided to go a different way about it. You know what? Realistically, if they had the songs in there, it would never compete with the original. No. I don't think any song from any of the Disney live-action adaptations, anyone has gone, yeah, that's better than the original, because it it would never replace any of that stuff. So it not being in there kind of just saves us all the discussion of being like, oh, they didn't do it as well as the original. (laughs) That's what we were going to get on. Yeah, true. But, I mean, I might even watch it tonight, to be honest. We'll see. But I will... I'll I'll let you know. I'll I'll, I'll slide into your DMs Yeah, slide into my DMs. I got you. Um, (laughs) Moving on to what was sort of what we were going to chat mostly about today um was actually a suggestion that someone someone made to me quite a while ago um one of my friends uh adam who's who's based in bristol shout out adam and he mentioned to me one day you know when we'd asked you know about performance what people might want to hear about and he said one thing that had always interest him, interested him, and I should say that Adam and my relationship was based around like social sports league. We played tag rugby together in Bristol, um, the A team, two times champions. Uh, but that's uh, sorry, I digress. We could go into to <laughs> huge depth there. But he asked me about accents, and he said it really interested him learning accents in like a drama school, have kind of how you actually get good at them like why are some people better at them better at them than others Mm. um i think with you and i there's there's no real secret that it's something that i'm quite proficient at and something that i really really enjoy and for you as a performer it's something that you haven't 
for whatever reason, like it's not something that you consider to be a strength of yours. No, no, not at all. Um, and I think accents is something that sort of everyone loves, regardless of whether you like someone that goes to the theater or not. People love when other people can do impersonations and impressions and character voices and accents comes into that. Um, you know, I've known people that have like, you know, second year of uni, couple of mates being like you know what let's go out to town tonight and let's try and pretend to be american the whole night and <laughs> yeah, it was like yeah. 20 minutes later it falls apart <laughs> um and so yeah the the learning accents for me definitely changed at bristol old vic and i thought just because adam asked and because it might be interesting to to people that are interested in accents to learn like how you actually go about learning accents as a whole mm-hmm. um because i mean we watch movies when we're growing up. I think in New Zealand we are re- we're better at doing accents than lots of other countries in the world for the single reason that because we don't create that much of our own entertainment uh, product, we mm. import a lot of it. Well, yep. we, a lot of American TV shows, a lot of British TV shows, and because of that, at a younger age, we're exposed to these different sounds a lot more than other countries. Mm. For example... In America, they don't import nearly as much foreign content as we do. So I think New Zealanders are kind of predisposed to being better accents than other countries. And I think, you know, when we're younger, you know, people like do an American accent. Like I'm sure you can watch your way through like an American accent or like an English accent or, or whatever. But when we were at Bristol Vic, they really, as with other drama schools, I'm sure, and, you know, language courses online, it's actually a lot more scientific than people realize like Mm. you can listen you can go on youtube and listen to someone's voice and do your best to replicate it and some people were pretty good at that some people aren't but you can be not that good at doing accents and learn how to do them if you have the time to kind of like learn the science and i guess that's what i wanted to go through today yeah please um and learning accents sort of first and foremost kind of all boils down to phonetics so you know if you like google a word or for some reason you're seeing how it's written and you sometimes see the, the words written with slashes with like big letters and you read it literally and you go yep. like, oh, that's like, I don't know the word microphone. It's like got M-I and then cr and then the O and then the phone. Mm-hmm. Learning accents kind of just boils down to an understanding of phonetics. And so we spent months at school just learning the basics of the phonetic alphabet kind of as the building blocks to then be able to apply that to lots of things later on. I guess the ex- similar example was like the, um, you're like learning your times tables or learning the chemical, what's it called? The chemical table. What's it called? The periodic table. <laughs> periodic table. Science guy. Thank you very much. <laughs> Arts. Hello. Uh, hydrogen, helium, lithium, beryllium. That's it. I'm good. I'm done. Nice. Um, and so we learned phonetics uh, in relation to RP, which is short for received pronunciation, which is kind of the standard British accent. Um, short history, like RP came in, I think, the 1920s, whenever British radio was invented, because they invented the radio, and then they're like, right, what are we going to broadcast? And lots of people were hearing this, but everyone over the UK like has completely different accents. So we'll invent this accent. That's the easiest thing for everyone to understand, which is why mm. I sort of proper... BBC RP English is all very proper. And actually, if you go to the UK, no one speaks like that because it's not regional. Yeah. It was invented 
for the ease of listening. So people in the north and people in the south, kind of like as a median accent. Interesting. And still now, it's still kind of the standard because of decades and decades and decades of RP through BBC shows and radio things. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's still stuck as a standard. Um, And so that's kind of the first thing you learn when you go to drama school, not just as an international student. If you're from like Yorkshire or way East England, they will have completely, completely different accents. And so you go into drama school and the first thing you lock down is RP kind of as the base to then build from lots of TV shows and particularly, you know, theater in in the UK, the base will always be RP. Maybe it's set in somewhere in, scotland or whatever no one does rp but that's kind of the default so it's natural that you learn that and so we as an international course learnt the rp accent alongside learning phonetics and i guess the the first thing is with phonetics you basically have open sounds and closed sounds so open sounds are what we would think of as vowels basically Uh, yeah um and then closed sounds being consonants consonants and with the open sounds uh, within RP as a specific accent, you kind of break it down into what's called monothongs, diphthongs, and triphthongs. <laughs> so monothongs are single vowel sounds. So card, bird, law, bead, those are all single vowels. Mm-hmm. In comparison, diphthong is something where the vowel shifts between two. So if you think about the word uh, rear, like put the car into rear into rear into rear example <laughs> but if you listen to it you can hear that the vowel change yes Re-yar. like between the two r's there's there's a shift in vowels whereas the word cod is just the Boom. sound mono yeah so within rp is a specific accent there's 12 monothongs which are i'll go through like words to that have those ones in them. So card, R, bird, er, law, or, bead, e, food, u, bid, er, bad, er, bed, er, bud, er, cod, er, good, er, and then schwa, which is kind of a a neutral sound. So like, uh, go, or the, or actor, like the, uh, sound. So uh, basically uh. there's 12 of those, and that's it, kind of like the periodic table there's only 12 of those single sounds. And then oh. you learn the, the uh, eight diphthongs, which are mo, how, boy, high, may, rare, rare, and then fewer. And then there's five triphthongs, which are, again, so three sounds. So if you think of the word flower and you break it down, there's flower. 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 There's three sounds there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the, the owl. Um, owl. And basically you learn the 12, the 8, and the 5, and you just know that those are the only sounds that are made. The idea being that if you can differentiate between all of them and you can learn the symbols for those sounds, then you know every possible sound that can be in like a script. So if I gave you, huh. if you learned all those sounds and I give you a, a script you can go through and mark every single vowel sound that's in there, say within the RP accent or mm. the New Zealand accent, mm. you know that there's a limited amount of sounds that can be, which kind of helps break it down break it into down. science. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that you know there's no in-between. Those are the only sounds that there are, and it has to be one or the other based on whatever accent you're doing. 
so is there is there a so there's a different frenetic like formula for every accent yeah and this so in terms uh, of phonetic sounds there's only that set amount yeah but then each accent uses some of them and not others of them yeah yeah which which i'll come around to in a sec cool the con the consonant stuff or the closed sound stuff is to be honest more simple because Mm -hmm. it it varies a lot less between accents so there's like a subcategory of consonant called plosives which are all the sounds that have again it's hard to explain if you think of like all of the sounds that sit within that specific area of the mouth it's all about location like we did weeks learning about like how the mouth works and and why certain vowels like use sorry certain consonants like you use the lips some use mm. like the back of again all super scientific whereas there's a subcategory called fricatives which are all the like like all those sounds that use different parts of the mouth and again i'm not going to go into the specifics of it because you don't need to learn that but again it's the learning that certain sounds like pop certain sounds have like elongated like you can't elongate a p no because it's the lips right yeah yeah exactly so with the consonants there's there's six different groups of that but they with like 24 different consonant sounds but they don't tend to vary as much it's really the vowels is where where all the shifts between accents happen and so yeah like i said before say say you learn RP or Mm -hmm. an Australian accent and I give you a speech and you're trying to be like right this character is Australian if you know all of this all of the phonetics and all of the sounds just like you've wrote learned them which is what we did then you can just go through and mark every single sound Mm. it means that when you're coming to read it you can look at a word and go like card and you know what the vowel sound is rather than like guessing based on memory or sure you get an Australian person to read the whole thing out for you. But in terms of like a long-term ability to do accent, the understanding Mm. of what the building blocks are is what makes you able to be way more versatile. Yeah. And then I guess it comes into once you've got the formula and you've, you've done it, you know, like over time, it just does become muscle memory for the mouth. Yeah, absolutely. And so so like like I said, we started with RP, but you would probably just it would be easy for me to teach you like the phonetics for New Zealand, and then yep. basically once you have your base accent, then I can just hand you another accent and say, well, what are the changes? Mm. And then you just work out the science of what the differences are. So for example, like the northern, say use Yorkshire, which is a pretty big part of the UK. There's lots of different varying accents, like. In New Zealand, it's strange that we have really a pretty similar accent up and down the country. Whereas in the UK, like you can drive for 20 minutes and people sound slightly different yeah, from where yeah. they were. An example would be like you, so say you've learned RP, I mean, in drama school or whatever, you can get someone to give you a breakdown sheet where it says, here's how this vowel changes to this vowel. Here's how this vowel changes to this vowel, mm-hmm. which is great because you've got it all on a page, then you can learn it but you don't need that if you understand and you can access audio of it. So for example, the Yorkshire accent compared to RP In RP, the word strut would be strut, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 strutting down the street in Yorkshire. It's the vowel changes to a strut. So it's the (laughs) strut. Like if you've listened to game of Thrones and they say, I'm going to go for a strut, 
you know, they wouldn't say strut. Strut. And so all it is is knowing that the phonetic symbol for the uh sound changes to the mm. phonetic symbol for the uh sound. And then if you go through your speech and every time you read an RP or your own accent, you've come across an uh, you just go, write, write the phonetic symbol down. Now it's uh. And you're just teaching yourself that any word, strut, mother, love, luck, blood, cut, all of those all of a sudden become mother, love, love, flood, cut. And so, yeah, it's just formula, bro. That's yeah. all it is. It's yeah. just like almost like the algorithm of like solving a Rubik's Cube. Mm-hmm. You're actually just learning where the shifts are. So the word bath, which in a New Zealand accent is bath, and RP, it's bath. Like bath. the vowel doesn't really change that much. Whereas if in a Yorkshire accent, they they would in lots of places say bath. bath. Get in the bath, which very clearly different sounds. Yeah. But say you say you were just listening to a Yorkshire accent, you know, Game of Thrones or whatever, the, the people in the north, and you're trying to figure out what the sounds are. Unless you have the formula, which tells you every single time the R sound changes to the A sound, it's going to be a lot more difficult to replicate. Mm-hmm. Same with American, like you can just take the RP sounds and go to American and something as easy as the, the R sound. So an RP, you would say advance or after or answer, pretty similar to New Zealand where we say advance, like, you know, some of them are the same. In America, all of those sounds are the, the A sound, and advance, dance. after, answer. I mean, that's a pretty easy one. Yeah. And you probably wouldn't need phonetics to figure that out. Mm-hmm. But in some of the vowel shifts that are really, really subtle, that's when you go like, oh, it's slightly in this direction or like it's slightly in that direction, mm. which is how you learn the nuance of accents. Yeah. I mean, anyone can do a, a an average American accent a because some of I the sound shifts are so, are so clear. Yeah. But with the nuance, particularly when it's not a sound you know if i said to you like do a, a south wales accent you don't have anything in your head to go like <laughs> uh well i know from this tv show or whatever yeah yeah knowing the equations is where you would learn it and it's not all about the vowels like that's kind of the base stuff the sounds then there's a whole lot of other layering that comes into it so roticity is a big one which is essentially just how r's are used so we knew the New Zealand accent is non-rotic, meaning we say car rather than car. Car. We don't pronounce the R after vowels. Like, mm-hmm. of course, you would say ring. It starts with an R. Yeah. Like ring the phone. It doesn't mean we don't say the R, but when the R's are like after vowels, we don't pronounce them. Same with UK. So we'd say, I'm going to get into the car. An RP, they would say, I'm going to get into the car. Again, the mm. R's not pronounced, but America all of the varying American accents are all rhotic. So they hit those R's really hard. Bar. Car, bar. Yeah. That's a really crucial thing that, again, isn't a sound thing. It's like, uh, in terms of like vowels, it's more this one consonant is crucial to it. Like if mm. you did an American accent and you didn't make it rhotic, everyone would know immediately. But then when we as Kiwis come from a non-rhotic accent and do an American accent, lots of times we put R's where they don't belong. Yeah. I can't think of a word off the top of my head, but say there's a word that doesn't actually have an R in it, and in our heads we say, like, oh, Americans are always using R's, and you say the word. I, I should have come up with an example, but I don't have one. It's knowing when and where to not use them. Yeah. Um, that's why it's so much easier for a Kiwi to learn RP or pretty much 
most British accents because they're non-rhotic, whereas the Americans really struggle to learn the UK accents because it's so difficult so, for them to yeah, get rid of. It doesn't matter if you're from California or New York, they're all rhotic. So to immediately go that one letter that comes up in a lot of words, it's not like it's a Z, like R's come up all the time, to have to learn to shut that instinct to go R, R, R really hard i mean if you go down to southland or invercargill there yeah, are Inver- some people yeah, invercargill cargill so yeah that's kind of the one very big variation of accents in new zealand obviously putting aside cultural ethnic background where people have different sounds in this great melting pot that is a country yes but that's the one big difference is the roticity of the accents down south i don't know the history of where it comes from if it's like settlers or whatever but yeah if you meet someone from invercargill yeah at those r's you go oh well what's that why is that different <laughs> which for learning accents is brilliant it's it's great when something like yeah. s- it's obvious and smacks you in the face because you just go well if i'm playing someone from the south that's one change that i can make that probably completely makes like a really significant difference yeah yeah um another thing is like intonation so in new zealand we're pretty monotonous if you go to us you know lots of australians are a lot more like up and down when they're you know up and down it goes all around or people that are welsh i don't know again i don't know how many welsh characters you've come across but people that you meet are welsh their intonations very very flowy up and down it's very like if you go up and down and go down the stairs and it's very similar to the indian accent yeah. well again lots of variations yes. of indian yeah, accents yeah. but Welsh and Indian are very, very, very close because their intonation is very similar mm. when they're talking up and down like a, on a roller coaster. <laughs> and then you have like resonant focus, so where it's based in your mouth uh, at, or like your nose. So obviously, like the Aussie accent's very nasal. Very so nasally. Always at school, like, what's the difference between a New Zealand and Australian accent? I, mean, I just said to them, like, just close your nose and do the exact same thing and you'll see that you can make a massive difference by just literally pinching your nose. Whereas some accents <laughs> don't have strong resonant. But, yeah, but these yeah, are like yeah. the things that like you can use the sounds, learn the phonetics first, but then the nuance comes from learning like the flow and the feel and like cultural feels of things. So people, people that come from Yorkshire, it's very slow. It's very reassuring. Like, you know, if you Game of Thrones, people from the north yeah. tended to feel very rooted, you Grounded. know, rooted to the ground. Yeah. Whereas if you meet someone that's from America, say California, that West Coast feel is so like bubbly and bouncy, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And you could learn the sounds, which is obviously the most important thing. But if you're going out there and doing a Californian accent and you're not changing, you know, if you don't get into yep. the vibe of it, yeah. then you'll never feel authentic. And that's where the authentic thing comes from. And and so for my friend Adam, part of the reason why he asked was because I had got a couple of people on the tag rugby team to send me their accents for me to try and uh, impersonate. Mm. And yes, you have to get the vowels right. But the reason why I was able to get it quite close is because I understand having you know been to the played rugby with these guys been to the bar with them i understand like the bounce of the way yeah. they actually sound yeah and that's kind of where the the nuance comes into it um and obviously there's so much variation like i've another scottish friend pete who's probably listening on one of his long drives because he's told me he does um <laughs> he sent me like a he read a guardian article and one of the things i noticed in his accent was the words were and when he has kind of this fricative that comes into it so 
you know, if you listen to, if you were to do a generic Scottish, Scottish accent, you'd probably go like, where or when. Pete has this kind of where. It's when. hard to say, like, like when. when. He says when or where. That for him, his specific accent is really like, is the nuance of how he sounds. Mm. It doesn't mean like if you're going to play a character, you have to know how that specific person sounds. But it's the difference between going like, I can do a Scottish accent and I like talking like, you know, uh, whatever. <laughs> that was probably more Yorkshire than Scottish, to be honest. But, uh, anyway, I speaking in generics yep. and then going and breaking it down and listening and going, oh, on those specific WH words, he has this when, that, the, 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 the frick. And again, that all just comes down to placement knowing the science of how your mouth works, knowing what the various options available are, and then going, boom, it's that one, or mm. it's this one, which is the difference to just going like, oh, I'm going to learn a, I don't know, an Irish accent and listening to some Irish stuff and trying to impersonate. Because yes, you can maybe be good enough to copy those accents, but when it comes to having to understand make up, understand or make up your own dialogue, like it's, yeah, yeah. it's easier to read something on a page, particularly if you have done your studious notes, yeah. than it is to simply make up sentences in an accent because you are having to create the sounds mm. as you think of the words rather than looking at a page and going, phonetic symbols for spoken English, right, I can figure that stuff out. Um and yeah, I guess those are kind of, that's how you learn variation. So not a lot of characters, I mean, a lot of characters in the UK and roles are received pronunciation, but there's kind of like contemporary RP where you sort of take a step back and you, you know, so say the word poor, an RP would be poor, poor. Mm-hmm. Whereas if someone said, uh, we think this character needs to be like slightly less posh, we don't want you to not do RP, but can you make some changes to like make it slightly less posh i can go well i know that the poor the ooh sound can shift to or and all of a sudden you say poor rather than poor mm. still fits within the whole accent but you make a few shifts and all of a sudden it drastically changes like how posh it is like heightened rp if you go on the the crown it's not just rp they've taken certain vowels and pushed it all the way down to like you know posh stuff um, yeah and yeah, I guess I guess that's it. And, and knowing wow. how to do that stuff, like so, when I was doing Caucasian Chalk Circle, which was our grad show, we decided that the character that I was playing, Simon, was going to have an an Irish accent, and it was going to be Southern Irish, and it was going to be Dublin, pretty well known, like the generic three hundred and thirty three, you know, <laughs> that sort of soft Irish sound. And what we found, like a couple of weeks in, the director was like, "Ah, oh, it's a little bit too soft," because. It is. It's a soft accent, Irish. You know, it's it's very joyful and it's it's nice. And so, what we were able to do, rather than go, oh well, it can't be Irish, change the accent. As I went to the accent coach, and he's like, well, you could go um, to a specific part of Dublin. So, north of the river in Dublin, they have slightly harsher sounds on certain vowels. So, if you ever heard Conor McGregor talk, mm-hmm. he's he's from that part of the world, but some of it's there was like down. If you listen to Conor McGregor, he's like, he's going down. That end <laughs> sound. One shift from two to two or down to down. Mm. Just one vowel shift on a couple of things was enough to make that accent for that character seem like he was from slightly more rugged background. Like 
you don't have to change the whole thing. It's just going, right, let's shift tiny bit, literally just going north of the river within Dublin to be able to like shift the the feel of the character. And I guess that's the nuance that you kind of hope for to be able to make tiny little changes to characters rather than having to go, well, Irish is working like, let's try Scottish or let's try Welsh. It's kind of all about nuance and that comes from understanding that you can just shift one sound yeah. and make a big difference. Um, I guess that's kind of it. Like, wow. I, I, I hope, I don't know, I hope it was interesting. That it felt very luxury and I'm sorry, I probably <laughs> botched a bunch of accents from the UK. Anyone listening in the UK, it has been a while since I've done them. It's because I haven't been around you lovely Northern Hemisphere people, Aww. so I'm a bit rusty. But um yeah, any, I don't know, any questions from Bro, the class? <laughs> I mean, hey, I just want to say that's fascinating. Because I, so, I mean, as you said at the start, for me and accents, it just, it just doesn't really work. I'm, I can, like, I can hear accents and I can, like, as you were saying, mimic it. But I've never really heard that, the what you've just done. I've never heard that been, be explained to me before. So the way that you've explained that actually makes so much sense. So as you said, I mean, as lecturer as that was, I think if there's any people that are listening to this podcast right now that are actors and that don't understand accents, I think you've 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 put it very simple in the sense of now I actually want to go away and I want to look at exactly what you were just talking about. And you about. can teach yourself. Yeah. Like this, most of the stuff's available like freely online or like all it takes is me to send pictures of the phonetic table and like you can actually learn it. Mm. And once you learn it, it's like I said, it's like a Rubik's cube. People are impressed with people that can do a Rubik's cube. Most people have just learned the algorithm. And once you know the algorithm, you know it and you can do it. And sure, you can be slightly faster or slightly slower, but it's just putting the time in to learn the building blocks. And then it's kind of like, well, I've done that rote learning and now I'm way more set up to be able to do the fun stuff, which is like, if you understand the equation, then you can do all the interesting problems. Yeah. That's that's fascinating. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm, I might need that, bro. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'll send them over to you, bro. I paid enough money for the school for the resources to be able to share them for you. There is Yo. no sense of hiding it. Um, but yeah, it would be a really good. It'd be a good experiment to see how maybe if we try and teach phonetics to you, how that would change your perception. Because obviously, as an actor, it's all about sharing with one yep. with each other and, and yeah. one upping everyone's skill set. So if it's something that you want to to get better at there's kind of no reason why you can't why i can't it's like yeah if you're an actor who is not that confident singing there's no reason why you can't get better at that or movement whatever yeah um but matt and i can talk about that off off the podcast that's (laughs) you and i talking about this is definitely delving into after we've finished recording chat we'll leave it there for today yes i hope everyone out there has enjoyed our various various things pick up a book do some reading Go watch Mulan, or if you can't afford it, maybe know someone that's got Disney Plus. I mean, hey, you know Matt. Maybe hey. you don't know Matt, but look, slide on in, Matt, slide on in, <laughs> slide. Okay, well, into yeah, well, his well, well, well. DMs. Thank you very yeah, much. Thank you, thank um, you. And yeah, like I said, if you're an, if you're an actor who struggles with accents out there, or you know, what if hit me up, hit me up. I'm all I'm all for for sharing the love and sharing the knowledge, and and to Adam who asked for this podcast 
thank you very much thank you for being a constant listener um and like like with adam if you've got anything that you think would be interesting for us to to chat about please please send it to us because we will inevitably get around to it um yes thank you man i really enjoyed this hey no thank you honestly like you said knowledge knowledge is is power so thank you very much for giving us a little bit of of your power there um but yeah just to reiterate thank you so much for listening um episode episode 16 can't believe we made it but um yeah as i said before at the start go go find us on instagram go find us on facebook follow those socials so you can keep up with what we're up to because we love doing this and we love you listening in so thank you very much and we'll see you all next time peace